All right, good morning, church family. How are we doing today? Awesome. Well, so good to be with you and in the presence of God together. Uh, excited to get to open up God's Word uh, and learn uh, from it. Uh, my name is Joe Polino. If you're new here, so glad you're here. Genuinely, thank you for joining us. Um, today, we are beginning a new sermon series, as Donnie said, called Make Us One. Make Us One. So this phrase, Make Us One, comes from Jesus's uh, prayer in John 17, and he's praying out loud to the Father for his disciples to hear before he's arrested and goes to the cross. And here's what Jesus prays, not to, he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, but then he prays for us. And here's what he prays for us in John 17, starting in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, which is us that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This stunning prayer is God's heart for you and for me and for the world. It is his heart for those who would believe that we would be one just as he and the Father are one. That's, that's pretty one, that's pretty unified. <laughs> and that we may be in them, but why? So that the world would know that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one that the Father sent. And so this year, uh, when I say beginning a new sermon series, I mean, we're gonna be in this for uh, the, the considerable future, for the most of the year, because we really want to dig into this. And this is the prayer we're gonna pray to paraphrase Jesus's prayer. If we're gonna pray, God, would you make us one with you? make us one with one another so that the world would know who Jesus is. So that's what we're gonna get in, into our DNA, into our life groups, into Sundays. And so I just wanna invite you even just to pray that with me right now. So I'm gonna say it and you can repeat after me. God, make us one with you. Make us one with one another so that the world will know who Jesus is. Love it. So. But in this prayer, it's a stunning prayer, but how do we actually walk this out? Where in the Bible do we get principles of how we can grow in union with God, communion with the saints and partnership on mission, this oneness with him, with one another, so that the world would know? Well, the book of Ephesians is laid out almost like chapter by chapter in that sequential order. So we're gonna be in Ephesians, but this morning, we're not gonna start in the letter of Ephesians. We're gonna start in Acts chapter 19. So we're gonna start in Acts 19 because if we're gonna spend time in this letter, I think it's worth getting context of how did the church in Ephesus actually start. So if you wanna turn with me to Acts chapter 19, and as we're going there, um, man, I want you to imagine that you are a resident in the city of Ephesus during this time, okay? So you are, uh, I was thinking about like a, a Ephesonian or Ephesonite, and I was like, oh, it's called Ephesians. <laughs> so you are an Ephesian, and your city, <laughs> your city, you know, sometimes we try to make things more complicated than they, they need to be. Your city is one of the major influencing cities in the world. So think New York City, think London, Think Seattle, your city is on a port city, and it's, it's actually the bridge between the Greco-Roman world and Asia. So a lot of trade and commerce is happening. It's also uh, the home to the temple of Artem Artemis, 
which is one of the great seven wonders of the world at that time. And because it has worshipers from all over coming, it's a very supernatural and spiritual city. So it's normal for someone to say, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, I'm a sorcerer. Oh, cool. Wow, how long have you been into that? Well, you know, you know, kind of my family was a sorcerer. I'm a sorcerer. So like witchcraft was very normal. And, and that was another mark of you being uh, Ephesian that's just kind of normal in your everyday life. And so you're a citizen of Ephesus in this great city and you're approached by a married couple named Priscilla and Aquila. And it's easy to remember, you know, the original Jack and Jill, this is Priscilla and Aquila. And they say, hey, we're followers of Jesus. This, this, we, we follow Jesus, people of the way. We're Christians and we're starting a church. We have uh, one of our leaders is named Paul. He actually used to try to kill Christians, but now he's our leader. We can tell you more about that. But hey, would you like to be a part of our core team starting the church in Ephesus? Now imagine you hear the gospel. You're like, I'm in, this is exciting. What do you think would happen next? Well, we actually don't need to imagine. We can just read it and see what happens in Acts 19. But as we read it, the reason why I want to picture that is because the, the scriptures it says are alive. Like it's God breathed, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It also says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we read the scriptures, it is for our own building up of our faith so that we may have endurance for today. There's also wisdom we can glean from the scriptures. It's, it's, it's appropriate for training and righteousness and, and, and discipline, but also it's because what the book of Acts is a historical account of God moving through the church, even though it's 28 chapters and it's, 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 that book is done, like the mission has not stopped. And so as we are learning about what God did in Ephesus, what I want you to say in your heart is, God, would you do it again in Dallas? Would you, do, would you, would you help me to see what are correlations for me in Dallas being a part of what you're doing in this city? Is that, you tracking with me? Okay, so let's go. Lord, would you help us to to learn from your word. And I believe, man, I just believe God's, something, God, God's got something great for you today. I believe that whether you are here today and you're like, I am broken, I need, I need breakthrough for healing, I need encouragement, I'm hungry, that God's got something for you. So let's read in Acts 19. We're gonna read the first 10 verses of the chapter. So it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the providence of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So this is God's word. 
I see three things that mark the church in Ephesus. Hunger, humility, and the Holy Spirit. And that God's people are to be marked by the same thing. So we today are to be marked by the same, th same thing. That God's people should be marked by hunger, humility, and the Holy Spirit. Hunger for God, humility to receive Holy Spirit power. Okay, so that's where I'm going with today's talk. You guys with me? Okay, so let's start with the hunger, hunger for God. Let's go back to the first three verses. It said that Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. And Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. So what's going on here? So Paul's in Ephesus, he's looking for the hungry. He's looking for those who would receive the message of Jesus. And he finds these people that they look like they're received, they, they look like they're interested, but they're disciples, but they're disciples of something. And he's like, okay, well, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we never even heard of him. We didn't even know. And so he said, well, then who are you baptized into? And he said, John, John's baptism, which is just so interesting because John the Baptist preceded Jesus. He was the, the guy in the early parts of the gospel that wore camel skin and ate bugs and honey and was out in the wilderness. And, and he was the prophet that said, I'm preparing the way of the Lord. I'm preparing the way of the Lord. And he spoke with such power of God that he was preaching in the wilderness. People would come out to him and they would listen and they would feel cut to the heart and they would be baptized for repentance, for forgiveness of sins in preparation for Jesus. And they were wondering, well, there's so much power on John's preaching. Are you the Messiah? And in Luke 3, 15 through 16, this is what John the Baptist says. In verse 15, it says, the people were waiting expectedly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come the straps of those whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So if these guys were disciples of John and received the baptism of repentance, they would have known the Messiah is coming. And Paul said, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus, okay? And then they say, Wow, okay, so Jesus, I imagine Paul explained the gospel to them of Jesus' ministry, which can you just imagine that they heard John the Baptist, but then I guess they like changed jobs and they relocated to Ephesus and they missed all of Jesus' life and ministry. And so here they are like a couple of decades later, like we didn't even know about this Jesus. Like, wow, that's, you know, either it's unfortunate or it's God's timing. I just think that's so interesting that they knew about John, but they didn't know about Jesus and I just say that there's people that we think that we live in the buckle of the Bible belt that they think they know about Jesus, but they don't know. They don't know about the Holy Spirit. They don't know. And I just want to say, like, may we find people who maybe they've heard about Jesus, but they don't really know him. God, would you lead us to people like these disciples? So these men were hungry for God's word. They heard John preach decades ago, and they were still like Paul recognized, y'all are disciples of of someone, and he's like, oh, you're disciples of John. I knew there was a flavor to you guys. Like, there's something about the way they lived their life that they were hungry for the coming Messiah. They were hungry. Now, why does this matter? Well, we see a pattern God lays out in planning churches in the book of Acts. 
And here's the pattern. There's prayer, then there's the power, then there's preaching of the gospel, and then there's planting churches. There's prayer, and that prayer, then there's power that God pours out. And that power is so that there can be a prophetic witness to the gospel that's shared. And then the planting of churches happens. So here's what happens in Acts 19. We see this pattern. So there's prayer. The 12 disciples that we just uh, read read about are disciples of John. They're waiting for the Lord. I imagine they've been praying or else I don't know how else you wait for the Lord. They're hungry for God. Prayer. What happens next? There's power. They receive the Holy Spirit when they believe. Paul places his hands on them and they speak in tongues and they prophesy just like in Acts 2. So then there's preaching of the gospel. Paul goes to the the synagogue and it says that he preaches the gospel boldly and persuasively there. And then there's planting. So after opposition, he takes the hungry disciples to a school of Tyrannus, which is interesting. Uh, Who knows what, how they rented this school of Tyrannus? but it was a lecture hall that they rented. Maybe Priscilla and Aquila and the church funded it and daily they met. And can you imagine how hungry you would be that daily you would go in the lecture hall and just learn from God's word? So there was hunger there. So much so that these hungry people, just by meeting for two years, all the provinces of Asia had heard about the good news of Jesus. It's amazing. We see this similar pattern happen at the birth of the church in Acts 2. So let's see that. There's prayer. The disciples were praying in the upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Then there's power. The Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost on them and they uh, received power. They were clothed with power. Then it said there was preaching of the gospel. These same disciples who ran when persecution came and when arrest happened are now standing up preaching the gospel. And then there's planting. 3,000 people are saved and that's the beginning of the church that Jesus prayed for, that they would be one just as we are one. It's amazing. So where does it begin for us to see God's kingdom come in Dallas then? It starts with hunger for God and it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. And I just say in preparing for this message, I was convicted. I feel like the Lord was pricking my heart to say, you know, you've, you've, you enjoy union with me. You enjoy time alone with me. You enjoy getting together with the saints. You enjoy communion with the saints. But your appetite for the kingdom of God is modest at best. And so I'll just say, I just repent and want to operate in humility and say, I want God to change my appetite for the kingdom of God in our city and not to settle for less. It's not hype, it's not emotionalism. I just believe that God wants to do something more. And, you know, we, we fast, uh, this is our fifth year in a row to take the first three weeks in January or so to do prayer and fasting. And then when they said, we're going to do this global fast, and there's another three days, I was like, man, we're starting out the year with a lot of fasting. I really like to eat food, you know? Um, but I do think there's something God's doing in me of changing my appetite a little bit for desiring more of the things of God. And so I just want to speak that as like an encouragement Hey, jump in, whether it's for a meal or whatever, just to participate in some way and say, God, would you, would you give me more of a hunger for your kingdom and a hunger for you? And I would say any great move of God in the world is preceded by repentant prayer in the church. Any great move of God in the world is preceded by repentant prayer in the church. In church history, in the scriptures, it is by people who are saying, Lord, would you start with me? 
And it's not pointing fingers at the church saying they're not doing this. It's like a Daniel 7 prayer where he's owning the sins of his own people. God, I, I am sorry for the ways that we have not followed you. And so just owning it with us. And so may it begin with us as we pray kingdom come in Dallas. God, would it start with us? Would you search me and know me? That's why, man, this, this, this past fast that we did, 21 days of prayer and fasting, just was the nail, hit the nail on the head because instead of us praying and fasting for God to do something outside of us, we were saying, God, would you do something in us? God, would you, we surrender to you these things in our heart. So we need to stay there. We need to stay there. And so as we're praying, God, would you do a work in our city? Would you help me to see people the way you see people? God, would you do a work in us? Amen? Amen. So, and a hunger for God means to move, mean, like if you wanna see God to move, it means praying for oneness with him and oneness for one another so that the world would see that God loves him, okay? So let's stay hungry. Last thing I'll say on this point with the hungry is just the simple observation that Paul stayed with the hungry. He went into the synagogue and he preached there and a few people were persuaded, it said, but then they started to slander the way. They started to cut him down and, and he said, okay, I'm gonna leave. And then he goes and he stays with the hungry. And then from there, the whole providence of Asia, here's the gospel. So if you're just like, man, I don't know how in the world God's kingdom can come in this place, in this neighborhood, in this school, in this situation, just say, God, would you start with me? And then would you just give me one or two hungry people just so we can begin to pray together? That's what, that's what the scripture says, right? So let's, let's be people who are hungry and we look to the hungry. So that's number one. God's people are marked by hunger for God. Number two, God's people are marked by humility to receive. Okay, and uh, in, in verse two, Paul asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive? Now this point I'm gonna make is just simple. simple. It takes humility to receive help from somebody. It takes humility. I don't know if you've ever been at lunch with somebody and uh, your friend's like, hey, I got this one. He, ta- you know, he takes the bill and you know, what do you say? Oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to do that. You know? and, and then you're like, and they're like, oh, no, no, I got it. I got it. And you're like, okay, well, I get the next one. I get the next one, right? And that's fine because you want to, you know, you want to contribute. There's nothing wrong with that. But what happens if you're in a place where you actually can't afford the meal and you actually need help? That's a very different kind of vulnerability. It takes humility to let people know, hey, I, I need help in that area. You know, my children, when I pay for the bill at our family meal, they don't go, oh, dad, no, 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 no. I got this one. No, they don't do that because they know that they, they need me to provide for them the meal. They, they know that, hey, dad and mom, they got this and that's appropriate. And I just want to say, man, it takes humility for us to receive from the Lord. It takes humility for us to receive help from the Lord. Even though it shouldn't be that hard, like my kids, like, hey, dad's going to pay for the bill. It's like, we need to go to our father and expect like, hey, I need your help and not be ashamed of it, okay? So here's the examples that I see of humility just in this short passage. It takes humility to receive help from the Lord in the same way. John the Baptist, he knew he was not the Messiah. That took humility. The disciples in Ephesus, they didn't know about Jesus or the Holy Spirit. It took humility to acknowledge, 
I don't know what you're talking about. It took humility for them to surrender and to believe and be baptized in Jesus' name, to say, I believe, I need forgiveness for my sins and I want to follow Jesus. That takes humility. It's an incredible gift. God gives it freely and abundantly, but it's for those who have humility to receive it. So why does this matter to us? It takes humility for us to acknowledge our, our need for God to forgive us of our sins, of the ways that we've walked away from him, of the ways that we have uh, fallen short of the glory of God. We need humility to see that we need his grace, right? So it takes humility to recognize that we need help from others. That Donnie beautifully led us in the middle of service with that. We need one another. And I would just say, ever since we announced that our kind of big theme for the year is unity, man, uh, opposition, conflict, wouldn't you know it that this week I had def different examples of whether it be in marriages or in life groups where conflict came up. And you know what? Man, I am so excited because when they operated in humility, this was the door to greater unity. This is the key. When they are saying, hey, I wanna get the log out of my own eye, get the speck out of my brother's, I wanna own my part, I wanna hear what you have to say, I want to do everything I can to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. When they do that, whoo, I just have to say, when I've seen that happen, it's like the glory of God comes in in a way that I think is even more amazing to me personally than someone being healed. When relationships and reconciliation happen, it is beautiful and it's a picture of what God is praying for us to be one. So it takes humility. Maybe you've encountered some of that even this week. And I just wanna say, oh man, God is doing a good work in us. So another reason that it matters, if you think about what would it be like if the disciples said, you know what, we don't need God's help when, when Jesus said, hey, I want you to wait for my Holy Spirit before you go. So in Acts 1.8, here's what Jesus says to the disciples before he ascends to the Father. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, when he said this, wouldn't it be dumb if he was like, <laughs> he said this and then they were to say, oh, no, 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 no. It's okay, Jesus. We got the gospel. We're good. He actually did say in John 20 that he, as he was having a meal, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that in a second. But he said, I want to close thee with power on high. And if they were to disregard his instruction or help, man, we're like, man, wouldn't that be interesting? I wonder what the book of Acts would look like. So I just wanna, here's the point I wanna make for us. I just wanna say, we need God's help. It takes humility. And actually, as we grow in maturity in the Lord, we are going to lean more on him and not less. When our, I said this in the fast, and I just wanna say it again. When we say, Jesus, I surrender, and we drop our oars you know, of, of, the, of our control, of our self-reliance, you know, that is maturity in Christ. That's how we grow up into him. My children, they are learning to brush their teeth, put on their clothes by themselves. Hopefully one day make breakfast and our diapers will be done in the house. And there will be, pra there will be praise, praise in the streets from the rooftops. That is appropriate and right. Spiritually mature though, 
is opposite. We, to enter the kingdom of God, we have to become like a child. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to clear the way for you to have any, just remove any kind of shame or lie from the enemy that you asking for help means that something's wrong with you. It actually might mean that the Lord's like doing a deeper work of intimacy with you right now, okay? So we need to be humble to receive from the Lord and receive from other people. So my last point, we need to be hungry, humble, and also people of the Holy Spirit, people who receive the Holy Spirit's power. So Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we never heard about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul said, let me explain. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So what's going on here? Did they have the Holy Spirit and were unaware of it? I don't think so. Because they didn't even know who Jesus was. So if you don't know who Jesus was, then they, they had not received the Holy Spirit. They hadn't heard the gospel before. They were waiting for it. They were ready for it, but they hadn't heard it. When they believed in Jesus, they were baptized. And so what I wanna ask you is the same question. When you believed in Christ, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? The answer is emphatically, yes, you did. Yes, you did. When you put your trust in Christ, you are united with him and given the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 Verses 13 and 14 say this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. So when you believed, you were marked with a seal, the Holy Spirit, you have a down payment right now of the inheritance of God's riches. So what is a down payment? A down payment is when you are purchasing something and you're saying, I'm gonna give you this payment right now as a sign that the full payment is gonna come. So put down a down payment on a house, maybe on a car, it's a chunk of change. Like, hey, this is my good faith offering that I'm gonna continue to pay until it's paid in full. So this is what God does. Whenever you come to believe in Jesus, you are sealed and a down payment of the Holy Spirit is given to you. It's a foretaste of the inheritance that he has given you by his grace. Not by your works. This is just because of him. Woo, I'm telling you. Okay, so that's where we start. That is a work that he does. We are saved by grace through faith. He's inside of you, okay? Whew. Which, can I just pause and say, like, I was thinking about this. We talk about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was kept in a box, kind of in the tabernacle. Like, it was so holy that if people touched it, they would, in, a, in the wrong way, they, it would, they would die. It was put in the temple, the Holy of Holies, where only one person, the high priest, could go in once a year, and he had a rope on his leg in, in case things went south because no one else is gonna go in there to get him out, to let him pull him out. Like, this is the Holy Spirit, and he's inside of you. He's inside of me. 
We talk about unity. It is impossible. This month of February, my Apple Watch said, this is unity month. I'm like, okay. You know, I, I was like, what does that mean? The world is big on unity right now. And I, that's not a bad thing. But only the Holy Spirit is the one that can unify across ethnic divides. Across, that's the only, it's, it's, it's it. It's the power of God. Whew. Okay. But there might be a question they have lingering in your mind. Okay, if I've received the Holy Spirit, what I believed, I believe that. That's identity. That's doctrine that you need to, that's foundational. But look, these disciples, when, they, when Paul laid their hands on them, they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. So what's this about? And I can just say there's two pitfalls that we can fall on. One is that we say, when we see the Holy Spirit coming and empowering people, it's just for back then. That's a pit we don't wanna go into, just saying like, that happened back then, it's not, it doesn't happen today. And the other side is that, man, the only people who experience this are true believers in Christ. And I believe both are wrong. So we have the deposit of the Holy Spirit and we are gonna receive its fullness when we, when we see Jesus face to face. So how do we live in the in-between well, there's a couple of scriptures that I'll give just in closing that are instructive for us. Ephesians 5 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the, with the Spirit, speaking to one another with, with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. This is a command to keep being filled with the Spirit. Okay? So I have some water here. The Holy Spirit is described as water in the scriptures. So I'm gonna take a drink. It's very refreshing. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, right? Now, I believe in Jesus, so I'm good. I could, I could just live off this until, you know, I get to heaven, until I see Jesus face to face. That's not, that's disobedience. I'm actually meant to keep being filled with the Spirit, to keep asking, to keep praying, and then in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it's okay, I'm, I wanna be filled with the Spirit, but I also wanna eagerly desire that the gifts of the Spirit are present in my life. It says in Ephesians 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people, not for yourself, to people for their strength and encouragement and comfort. So we have assurance of faith for us. We are filled with the Spirit more and more for others. And sometimes it's so full that I might be like spitting on people. Sometimes it, it expresses itself in ways that are almost like it's being poured out over my head. And I hope you had an experience like that. And I know that there's different stories in this room. Maybe people have had experience of getting, you know, they would say baptized or being filled with the Spirit in a powerful way. And I would just say, we don't wanna chase emotionalism, but I want that to happen, why? Because when we pray, there's power for witness. It's for other people, it's under the kingdom, not just for us to have what we want. The gifts are for others. So to close, I want my wife actually, Amy, to come on up. Can you give her a hand? Um, because as I was, I was preparing for this message, just thinking about this last point of that we're marked by Holy Spirit power uh, more than anyone else that I know. 
my wife walks with a desire to see people experience this. And so I just want her to just be able to share a little bit of her testimony and her heart. I believe it'll be encouragement to you, so. Okay, Um, I'm gonna do my best to share, but I also will just say, I kind of feel like a firecracker that could get lit in any second. So I'll just say, Um, but I'm gonna share, (laughs) I'm just gonna share with y'all. And I wanna say my heart in sharing is because I am eager for our church to know the Holy Spirit in this way and to know the fullness of God. And so, Everything that he has said this morning, I'm like, yes and amen. This is for this room and beyond. This is not just the special ones or the select few. And so um, just to give y'all a little um, background for me, I grew up in a believing home and my parents are what I would say they were spirit-filled believers, believed in the Holy Spirit. So it was normal for me to, on a given morning, hear my dad praying and interceding and praying in tongues and um, normal for our family to pray and believe for healing for someone or different things that are outworkings of um, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, there was a period of time in the church where we were attending um, where we were seeing revival happen, which I would just say, y'all, is happening in these days. And I am eager. I am like, Lord, bring it here. (laughs) Um, And so this was kind of a similar thing in our church where um, there were these Saturday Night Live, um, is what they called it, these college students who had come together and worship and pray. And it was like the power and the fire of God (laughs) would fall. And so Um, I was around 10 or 11 at the time, and my older sister, who's Christina Daniel, our former um, lead pastor's wife, she was in high school or college at the time, and so my parents and I came with her and a couple friends on one of these nights, and I, at the time, had, I was a believer, I believed in Jesus, I had prayed and had him in my heart for sure, Um, But I remember standing in these times of worship and the glory of the Lord falling and just as a 10 or 11 year old girl thinking, I never want to leave. I just want to be here. And what kid do you know that's like, let's stay at church all day and night. Like it was the work of the spirit. It was alive and active and I was hungry. And so I just remember standing there worshiping and feeling the weight of the glory of God and feeling like I, it makes me think about Joshua, how it says he didn't want to leave the tent of God's presence. That's what he wanted. And so um, during this time, um, my parents and my sister were laying hands on me and praying and I was worshiping and I just started to feel like this heat and this weight of God that it was beautiful. It was like this power that I could feel. And then at the same time, this impact in my heart where it was like, I feel God. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. And it's so hard to describe these kind of encounters because they're both intimate and intricate and powerful and glory. And it's like, how do you put words to the Holy Spirit? I don't know. (laughs) I'm doing my best. But as this is happening, I just, it was like this combination of 
this reel of memories going through my head of all these different places and things that I felt like the Holy Spirit was bringing up, places of conviction in my heart. And it was like conviction, but this all-encompassing love all at once where I began to repent and just ask, Lord, would you change me and soften me? And it was like, how do you... (laughs) How do you pair deep conviction that cuts to the core of you while also feeling loved like I've never been loved in my life? I mean, that is that is what the power of the Holy Spirit does. And so I'm praying and I, I began to feel like these words kind of coming off of my tongue that I wasn't familiar with. And it was like, what? <laughs> what is this? I'm not sure in these these things are coming. And I just, um, part of the story that I love is that my dad had his hand on my back. And I remember him at that moment leaning in and just (laughs) saying, don't be afraid. You can release whatever's coming up in your spirit and you can say it out. And I just, it was like the affirmation of the father right there in that moment that I needed to go, okay, I'm going to I'm going to say these words, and I began to pray in tongues, and that's what (laughs) the Holy Spirit deposited, and it was this kind of awkward babbling at first. It's kind of, you feel like a baby or like a little kid that (laughs) it's like, what is this new language? But so sweet and beautiful at the same time, and so um, how do I close this? I just, (laughs) um, I think for me, from that time of encountering the Holy Spirit that way for the first time, there has been a fire in my bones for I want more. And it's not about these, it's not about these experiences. And I know there's so much pain that can be linked to things in this arena, but it's because I felt such a nearness of the Spirit of God. And just because you don't feel it all the time doesn't mean He's not there but I hunger for it and I'm eager for us to walk in that, for that to be our norm in this body is not here and there, but we encounter the love of the living God in an ongoing way for each other. We're filled up to overflowing for one another, the edification of our body and for our city and beyond. And so that is the heart of this and what we're going after. And so I don't know how to stop, but <laughs> we're going to ask for it. So do you want, you want me to pray? You'll lead. I want you to stay here. So we could have actually the band come up. We are going to, we are going to respond. And I do want Amy to pray, um, pray that over us. And so just recognize that in this, uh, in this topic, what we're inviting you into is just simply hunger for God, humility, to receive, and Holy Spirit, would you fill me up again? And so there might be different people in this room that are like, hey, I've showed up to church because I am looking for help for, I'm looking for God. And what you're looking for is Jesus. You're looking for Jesus. And if that's you, I wanna invite you. We're gonna have our prayer team up here and, and they would love to talk to you about starting a relationship with Jesus or find me after the service or find someone. So that might be one type of person here. Another type of person here might be someone who, uh, you know what, this is a place of pain in my life. Maybe you grew up where unfortunately, uh, where like she had a good example from her parents 
of how to steward, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing with the gifts. Maybe you need healing in this area. And you're just like, I don't, man, this is a painful wound. And you just need to say, God, I'm hungry for you and I'm humbling myself. God, would you teach me? And just begin to thank him for the fact that you are in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit. And that, God, would you help me to be filled with the Spirit? And there's another group of people, the last group of people that I would just say, man, you've walked in this before, but the busyness of life and the demands of life have been what I've experienced are they, they've, your appetite's modest at best for these things. And I feel like God's just calling you again. Okay, it might look differently than the way it did before, but just to say, Lord, I'm hungry, I'm humble. Would you show me how to do this in this season, in this stage of life? And I want you, I want the Holy Spirit. So we're looking to have our prayer team and prophetic team up here. And we're gonna respond. I'm gonna have Amy pray over us. And I just encourage you, we're all gonna stand up right now. And I'm saying invitation, but I think my exhortation for you is to take a step in some way. So if that's just, Lord, I need you and you need to come to the front and you don't need to talk with anyone and you just need to, man, I dedicate, man, my life again to growing in this way. Or it could be that you need to come up and say, I want more of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray that I would be filled up with the Holy Spirit? Whatever the response is, let's move, let's respond, let's act. So why don't you go ahead and pray for us? Yeah, God, we thank you that you are three in one. We have God the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son, Lord. And so just this morning we say, we want you. <laughs> we want your heart. We're not just after a gift or what can you give me. We want your heart. We want your presence. And we eagerly desire your gifts as a good father. We want full fellowship, full communion. And so this morning we humble ourselves, Jesus. And I just begin by saying, Lord, anything in me, in us that is not of you, would you remove it, Lord? And I agree with the Daniel 7 prayer of God. We even say we repent on behalf of our city, Lord, for places of sin and wickedness that are not of you, Jesus. Would you come and cleanse? Would you do a holy work in our hearts, God? Would you come with a holy fire and breathe over us? Would we in Antioch, Dallas, be a people who are holy before you, not because of our own work or our own doing, but because we serve a holy God who's filled us to overflowing, Jesus. We invite it, Lord. Would you come and work in us and move in us in order to make space for you as the living God? Would you open us up to you, Jesus? And I just say to any places of fear or trepidation or wounds or pain tied to the Holy Spirit, if you haven't seen it in the same way, if you've asked and you haven't seen it, Jesus, would you speak to those places? Would you minister in your gentle and loving way? I just see right now, God, you are, you are putting your finger on places in people's hearts where there's a wound here. And he's asking, will you let me touch this place? Will you allow me to heal, to speak, to minister? Would you do it, Jesus? And we say, Lord, as we speak your heart, we ask you, would you blow the roof off of this place? Any barrier, anything that stood in the way of you, more of you or your gifts or your Holy Spirit, rip off the lid, God, and open it up. And we say, would you come with your gifts and the power of your spirit? Would you fill this place, Lord? Even now, Jesus, would you fill us in this upper room? <laughs> would you fill the upper room now, God? Would you come and meet 
with individuals. We invite you here. We want you, God. We want all of you. Say, would you do whatever is on your heart to do today and beyond in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's encourage you. Let's take a step. Let's activate. That's who we are. Let's engage. And we're gonna, we're gonna respond with worship. Come forward if you need prayer.